This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I talked to Gigi and Guy Swan together. Uh, ever since I interviewed them both, I wanted to get them on together. Uh, and it was a great conversation uh, to have with the two of them to you know share their perspectives and, and get the dialogue, which I didn't know they didn't have much dialogue between the two of them. You know, they've met um, at a conference or two and, and uh, haven't really been on too many podcasts together or anything. But uh, obviously, Gigi's written a lot and Guy has read what uh, Gigi has written and, and they both have been in the space for a while and offer a lot of great insight. So I wanted to talk to them about, you know, longevity in Bitcoin and, and how to stick around for a long time, uh, you know, and make sure you don't go through Bitcoin derangement syndrome. Um, we got into a couple things about hyperinflation and, um, you know, is, is ban, are they going to ban talk about that? And, uh, you know, well, the USA uh, 6102, the Bitcoin on exchanges. So uh, it was a great conversation. Really glad to have them both there. And uh, the episode is brought to you by Coinbase Connect. Do you have questions about Bitcoin? Personalize your learning and book a one-on-one video call with a Bitcoin pro on Coinbase Connect. Learn about mining, security, the Lightning Network, DeFi, taxes, and many other topics. It's really easy. Choose your topic and pro, select a date when you're available, and bring your questions to the meeting room. Book your first call today by going to coinbeast.com and clicking on the Connect tab. Be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need. And it's also brought to you by Movies Plus. It's my streaming platform. Go ahead and check it out. Um, MyMoviesPlus.com is the website. Um, but you can go into any app store on your phone or streaming device and search for Movies Plus. And you'll find the app in there. Um, and you can sign up for a free uh, trial, free 30-day trial. Check it out. Get to watch stuff. We have some Bitcoin content constantly going up there, but also lots of other movies. And if you're uh, you know, getting ready for the Christmas season, um, or if you have a wife or girlfriend who loves watching Hallmark, Hallmarky Christmas movies, we have a trove of those that will be going up. So, uh, you know, you can uh, get that for a free month uh, during the Christmas season here. So uh, thank you guys. And if you want to get in touch with me, just uh, follow me on Twitter at Corey underscore Tusik. And you can follow the show at Bitcoin Simply. And you can email the show Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. I remember that. Now that Gigi's in his body condom and um, and nobody can see who he is. So, guy, you so he busted. He was one of the. You were one of the people that he busted at a conference, and you had no idea you were talking to him, even though you talked. to Oh him. yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, uh, him <laughs> and Will Reeves actually were like right in line together, and I was like talking like kind of back and forth, and I was like, uh, and and then after he was like. Yeah, I'm fucking Gigi, man. I was like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the joys of being in them is you can't surprise people in real life. (laughs) I wish I I wish I could go back and be a Nim instead of uh, like such a stupid thing. You know, you're like you put your face out there and then it's out there forever. I mean, you don't realize is that I'm a Nim, too. This is actually a prosthetic. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Uh, That's one just, way to play you it. You put a little Bitcoin into it, man. You never, you never know, man. Those prosthetics are good. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood's getting good these days, you know. Um, you, to be fair, you can't you can still, uh, you know, be in a, 
uh, it's it's it, it's quite easy actually. It's it's more difficult if you want to appear on video and have a voice and stuff like that. Um, but you know, spinning up a new identity and just becoming an M is super super easy. And I think going forward, um, depending on you know how things develop, uh, of course. But in technology wise, we have a lot of stuff where you can appear. Um, like as a cartoon character, you see a lot of Twitch streamers doing stuff like that. And it's very easy also to distort your voice. So if you ever want to go in, just go for it. It's, uh, I think we, <laughs> we, like we, we, we should not lose um, the the nim nature of Bitcoin and the internet, and I think it can also be a lot of fun. So uh, I, I would encourage everyone who is thinking about uh, doing nim stuff to just go ahead and do it and see see how it feels. Yeah, yeah. with the project or the with the trajectory of society, we might all have to be nims. <laughs> oh, and, uh, that laser huddle dude! I'm convinced that he looks like his picture. Like his, <laughs> I asked him that one time. He said, "Are you starting to confuse yourself and think?" He said, "You know what? Surprisingly, I am. Like in my mind, I'm starting to envision myself as this picture." <laughs> Great book, by the way. It's it's um, True Names uh, by. Werner Vinci, I think, and it's a great book. It's it's about NIMS, actually. It's about not using your true name online. Yeah, yeah, very fitting. Um, I don't think I well, added that to my list until your article on that, Gigi. There you go. True name's not required. That's Bitcoin for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is that on your list of things to record? <laughs> oh, I've already recorded that article, um, but uh, I, ha- I still haven't gotten to the book actually. But I've got I've got a list of so many books. Yeah. <laughs> How many things seriously do you have to read? Because like, whenever you see an Alex Gladstein tweet, you have to start sweating bullets. You're yeah. Like, like, oh God. No. There's like there's like a part of me that's like really excited, and there's a part of me like motherfucker <laughs> again, again. And I know it's gonna be good, but son of a bitch, it's always long. Always well, I'll have to introduce you guys eventually to uh, to the guy that's I'm partnering with on the po- uh, just like he's doing his own podcast within the network together. He's from Australia, Luke, and um, and he just wrote up a good article on his his uh, medium, and and it had like a re- he did a whole thread about it, you know, hyperinflation, all that. Uh, Greg Foss was like all over it and everything, um, but he's I, a good writer, and he. It's gonna add you some more stuff to start reading again. It was about it was about inflation. Yep. Yeah. 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 So just right, uh, I saved a know. couple of tweet threads recently on that sort of a topic. So I was wondering if maybe I had it. Oh, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I wonder it. why tweets and tweet threads about inflation keep popping up. Do you guys have any idea why that might be I the case? <laughs> no, that's a, um, probably because of those. Price gouging companies, yeah, terrible, yeah, pro- probably, <laughs> terrible yeah. price gougers. Well, this is perfect because this is this was number two on my list of things to talk about. Um, but hyperinflation, you know. And by the way, thanks for both coming on because uh, ever since I talked to each of you separately, I was like, I got to get them together on a podcast because um, I, I mean, you know, until we can meet and meet. Bad space, choice. I fucking hate Gigi. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise, I hate Gigi too. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's actually great. I don't know why, but Guy and I, we don't manage to um, uh, meet each other often and and talk about. So I really um, cherish the opportunity. Moving around each other, right? Yeah. (laughs) You guys are just in orbit of each other. (laughs) 
<laughs> Seems like it. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've seen. It's funny, you know, these hyperinflation tweets are popping up left and right. Um, it might have been you, Gigi, earlier that I saw you maybe post or share something that somebody had shown, like <laughs> somebody had tweeted out about how the U.S. government was going to sixty-one oh two all the Bitcoin on Coinbase, and then like all of a sudden that account was suspended you know and it's like i feel like people were gonna eventually get suspended for talking about hyperinflation <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i think you know uh there there are so many things mixed up currently and um i i think anytime it it, it doesn't it almost doesn't matter who it is, uh, but if, if society at large or certain platforms or certain political movements or parties start to um, censor speech, I think you're already in a bad spot. You know, like if there are some things that you cannot discuss and it doesn't, it doesn't even matter what it is, you know, like it doesn't matter how outrageous the idea is or how wrong it might be. Um, if, if you're deplatforming people and censoring people left and right, um, we're already in a bad spot. And, you know, on, on Twitter, for example, um, it, it, it always pains me to talk about this because I, I, I think, you know, Jack is definitely a Bitcoiner and is doing great things, but I also think that he has very limited control on what, what's happening. Uh, on Twitter, and uh, it's just that the the tools and the platforms that have been built in the past, they are they kind of have their own mind, and it's just you know like there are those automated systems that will flag posts, and there's you know someone looking at it, and and you're you're getting nuked off the platform, and yeah, someone was nuked by just talking about self custody basically, <laughs> and you know people are getting nuked left and right just by 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 um, talking about current events and uh, sharing certain views of the world, and I think. It's not outrageous to think once um, uh, the situation gets even worse in terms of inflation and in terms of you know governments really trying to push CBDCs and and those kind of things that you're you'll you'll get muted and deplatformed and delisted or shadow banned or outright banned uh, just by you know talking about Bitcoin and talking about inflation talking about how you know prices are moving in the wrong direction, how you're not allowed to, um, I don't know, uh, take enough cash out of your ATM just to survive the next week. So I think it's definitely in the cards. And I think people should be aware of that and just set themselves up to deal with this kind of, you know, which means having side, side channel communications to other people, using other platforms as well, being just more, um, yeah, more, more anti-fragile if you want to use the term, you know, like set yourself up so that it's harder to silence and deplatform you. And I think a lot of people are doing that already, you know, like um, not only using Twitter, but uh, launching a Substack or uh, starting their own blog or uh, moving also to Mastodon or cross-posting there and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be important in the future. No, I'm, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think uh, it's it's funny too. One of the things that just had me cackling uh, not too long ago it was like a couple of weeks back when Jack mentioned or posted about hyperinflation, and um, uh, and multiple, I mean like numerous like eco economists and like mainstream <laughs> journalists and stuff retweeting says this is so dangerous. This, yeah. is, this is unbelievably <laughs> reckless. Jack needs to be banned from Twitter and all this stuff. And it just, it, it struck me how fucking stupid the mainstream view of this is that economics is just, if you talk about something too much, it'll just happen. We could just induce hyperinflation 
by yeah. tweeting about it too much. Like, don't people, talk about anti gravity. We might all just float into space. People <laughs> actually believe that shit. Like, they actually believe it, and it's 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 hard to wrap your head around. Like, when you have some degree totem of sense about what reality is, you know, like, and and it just it's crazy. But uh, I think. I think it's pretty much inevitable that at some point the United States government puts Bitcoin on its balance sheet um, in reserves. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to start seeing probably within the next year a lot of particularly smaller countries, like, you know, El Salvador. I think people are going to really start following the uh, their example. Um, it looks like Singapore is potentially on the horizon for something similar. Um, and I think that's going to steamroll quick. And it will be when the United States puts Bitcoin on their reserves that I will be, there will be two things that trigger in my mind. The first is, holy shit, that's great. Amazing. Bitcoin's becoming the reserve. And then the other will be, holy shit, they're going to 6102 everything in exchanges. Because that is the only reason they did that to gold is because gold was their reserve. Um, mm -hmm. So as soon as Bitcoin is the U.S. reserve, I think it will become a matter of national security to take everybody's Bitcoin. Um, and I sure as shit, like band account. Absolutely. I agree. They'll 6102 everything on Coinbase and Coinbase will not even come. They will bend oh. the knee. They will bend the knee before when they even get a whiff that that is being suggested. They'll go ahead and just lock down everybody's account and and they'll uh you know they'll they'll put their chapstick on so that you know they they don't uh you, you know the, the every everything's nice when when they're the government <laughs> um no they really will i mean they'll be coinbase kissing the boot will, and... coinbase will do everything they, they will they will good god they they might as well be the perfect example of just like let me hold your hand um and you know lift up your lift up your cape or your veil as we walk down the red carpet or whatever because jesus christ i can't Im i cannot imagine having my bitcoin anywhere near that company right now yeah i mean they've they've proved themselves over and over and over again to be basically enemies of bitcoin so yes. i i co-signed everything 100%. the guy just said so well, how that, funny that, that will not come as a surprise how funny was that then to see Brian Armstrong um, flipping out about the SEC not cooperating with him or something like? And was he basically like, "We've done everything right. We've Come done, on, guys. Right. We're just a shitcoin casino. Please, like, we just want to make our money." <laughs> that, like, that's what I don't understand for Bitcoin. Is, you know, there's so many places to buy. Um, you know what I mean? Like Strike. Like I know it's not available to everybody, but when like I just was like, I gotta see this if this is really like no fees. <laughs> I like bought. And I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing. It is. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, I think with the hyperinflation and like, you know, laser hot was talked about like make the cost of tyranny really expensive. Um, and so like in my own personal life, I mean, Gigi's doing that with you know because 
uh, your wife might not even know what your NIM is, Gigi. Like that, that's how good your OPSEC could be. <laughs> she, she have no idea who Gigi is. Like, it's actually not that, that good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but but there definitely are people that that uh, you know they they take the proper precautions. And I think everyone could be more careful, careful myself included, obviously. But I I think I mean we'll we'll it's very hard. It's very very hard to predict even what's going to happen in the next six weeks but you know six months from now from now forget it because it, it can you know it, it's it's a spectrum how how kind of chaotic and violent uh um the transition period will be and it can be kind of peaceful as well you know like Seyfedin talks about this a lot by uh, bitcoin just by way of existing puts some checks and balances onto the monetary policy of of governments and, and it, it is there as an option to move towards and it, it is this pressure wall of kind of that can keep things from exploding you know like if if, if you have this pressure release valve then it, it can turn out uh, way better than most people think because i think most uh, like <laughs> it's in human nature to only see the bad and concentrate and focus on the bad and just, you know, like have the worst case scenario in your, in your mind all the time and stock up on ammo and food and build a bunker and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and all the jazz. And I'm, I'm not saying you should not be doing that. I think you should definitely be prepared. And again, uh, you know, you, you, if you're very easily attacked, then um, you should just, try to make baby steps to uh, uh, like increase um, your odds of success, no matter what comes kind of, you know, and, and you, you're, you just spoke about this in terms of uh, make attacks costly. And I think that's in, in all areas of life, that's how, like, that's how things work, you know, like that's how regular security works. That's how that, you know, that's how, how, whether you know it or not, that's how you design your life. Basically. It's just that usually the environment is very stable. And so you, there's not too many things to think about and we might be heading in an unstable environment, but it's still not clear to me how unstable it, it truly gets because it's not clear to me, you know, what, um, what's on the table in terms of valid moves. You know, the range is quite big. It could be, you know, for example, in, in Europe, it, it could be the Euro crumbling and, uh, I don't see the European Union coming together and adopting Bitcoin as, as their monetary standard, but it's also not absolutely impossible, especially if some other nations did it before them, you know, or some some countries seceding from the European Union and doing their own thing and so on. So there, there is just, you know, I, I just want to also bring in a more global perspective because, of course, everyone is focused on the US because it's it's the powerhouse of the world and what happens to the US dollar is the most important thing. But the US dollar will be the last thing that crashes, I think. You know, like every every other currency <laughs> will either dollarize or hyperinflate uh, before that. And and so, yeah, it will play out in the next couple of years. So it's going to be exciting, to say the least. And I mean, if the US dollar, yeah, because it'll be the last one. But conversely, if the U.S. experiences hyperinflation, that wrecks everything, you know, because... Um, except for Bitcoiners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except for Bitcoiners. Because uh, it's actually with... Uh, Bitcoin with, not uh, affected. Luke and I talked about a little bit about with, um, you know, p- previous hyperinflation scenarios were isolated events. You know, it was, yeah. it was isolated within borders and, um, you know, just the people that were pegged to that currency but if it happens in the u.s oh my god that is going to be a shit show that takes down the world um so i mean do you 
you said it'll be the last to go, but I mean, what happens when it does go? What happens whenever the price of goods and services doubles in a two month period? Um, I think genuinely that by the time we get there, I think there's a degree of it can't happen until there's enough way to release the pressure. Like, you know, the reason the value of the dollar would collapse, of, of a global reserve currency would collapse, is because people are taking their money out, their value out of the currency and putting it into something else, which necessitates something has to be able to hold that value. Something There has to be a thing big enough, something liquid enough, whether it's a million things all together, everybody's buying houses and cars or, you know, what, just any piece of shit that they can get their hands on that's, that's less of a piece of shit than the dollar. Um, but because of that, like, like there are trillions of dollars in bonds and all this stuff that do not have a way out. They don't have an exit. So it's propping up. It's preventing the possibility of hyperinflation because there's nowhere to take that trillion dollars outside of the bonds or the dollar, you know, like with that dollar denominated asset. Um, and so the fact that, I mean, Gigi's 100% right. I think Bitcoin, excuse me, dollar, the dollar is going to be the last one because it is the global reserve. Um, everybody who, every time one of these other ones collapses, the dollar gets stronger. Do mm -hmm. The dollar gets more tied into the global financial system rather than less, even though it's in a shit situation too. Uh, because again, they need an exit. All those, all the smaller currencies need a place to move those billions and even trillions of dollars. And that's where it is right now. The dollar is the exit. Um, but it's just the last domino. They're just, they're just skipping. You, you know, there's like a trail of 50 dominoes here and the first four are falling and they're exiting They're They're taking their money out of those dominoes and they're just putting it in the end domino. Like they're just like, I got to rush and put it over here. Um, but it's still just going to fall all the way to the last one. Uh, and so I think, I, I tend to think Safe is actually on to something when he talks about the fact that there's, there's this potential of actually having an alternative system grow up alongside of it and actually prevent the, like some of the worst uh some of the worst consequences of this sort of a collapse because we are all so deeply interconnected and i i, I also agree with Gigi here i don't think like european union will just like up and just like oh we're gonna adopt bitcoin i think it'll be more that 10 percent of the population in all of those countries adopt bitcoin and they become the new rock of the economy and the european union just kind of withers into irrelevance which i think really that's kind of what all these political institutions are doing now they're yeah. becoming so incompetent and so grossly corrupt that people are just like fuck you so much like i just i don't <laughs> want any part of this you know um and i think that's very likely what we see you know that was that was the birth of the united states like the american ideal before it was you know Two years later, it was corrupted into bullshit. But like that was the birth of the idea of like, ah, oh, the people are going to do this. The politicians aren't coming to save us. Like they're yeah. they're never even a part of this. Like this is us. This is we are the ones doing this. And I think people are going to take the reins and they're going to yeah. take charge of their life. And 
Bitcoin is at the heart of protecting everybody who wants to do that. Yeah, it's it's kind of beautiful, and I see it in the same way. I, I like first of all, it's beautiful that Bitcoin is just there, and you as an individual can choose to use it and, and use it to your advantage and start saving in it and uh, use it for your transactions and whatnot. So, so I think, especially if you are somewhat privileged and and are in a country that still works, you know, it's a very different story. If 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 you're starving in the streets and uh, you barely have a smartphone, and then then you know, like the US dollar works probably better than you know uh, bitcoin or mm. some lightning wallet and so on so but if 20 percent inflation for them is no big deal like yeah yeah exactly but but if, if if you're you know like if you have somewhat of a stable life and have some income and just you know get get on a bitcoin saving plan and and just just you know like if, if you're watching the markets only a little bit and the world stage only a little bit uh, you might you might want to just set up a, a bitcoin savings plan and, and take some of your earnings and and, and stuff them into, into there and just see what happens and, and you'll be in a much 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 better situation than than uh <laughs> yeah the rest of your peers probably and and i i see it in the same way and i think the the the, the beautiful thing about it is it, it is all kind of interrelated because um, I mean, you know, like the, the clown world meme is really strong right now. And I think oh. a lot of people realize that just it's not only the monetary policy that's broken. It's just most of policy in general. And and I think it's so, so poetic and beautiful as, as the, as the, you know, as the clown level increases, as the clownishness of the world increases, Bitcoinization just gets accelerated. You know, more and more people are going to see through it and, and uh, use Bitcoin as this, this, rallying cry and, and anchor of sanity and just you know have something that cannot be that cannot lie to you and cannot be manipulated and i think we we, we see this playing out right now you know like there's so much <laughs> clown shit going on and a lot of bitcoiners are currently being minted yeah i mean one of the things i've noticed that you know it's the transition in your view of the world and in finances but like i don't check the bitcoin price you know like i i kind of find it on like the edges of the periphery of you know what i look at you know people are talking about it um but uh it's it's the only stable thing you know like as far as you know outside of like my family and you know stuff like that that's stable in your personal life um yeah because i i can't trust the government i can't trust any politician i can't trust the banks i can't trust anything um you know i, I all i can do is trust myself and then it's like oh there's this one thing outside of my family and myself that I can trust to stay the same. And that is Bitcoin. Yeah. Put it in there and it will remain the same. And it's, you know, like, um, of course, you know, like every, I think every single Bitcoin, I had this kind of epiphany, you know, it's actually Bitcoin. That's the stable thing. It might not be stable yet in purchasing power. Like it's still monetizing, but from a systems perspective, it's the most stable system you can imagine. And it's definitely more, more stable than anything else we have. And that's, that's also why I think that, uh, you know, getting into Bitcoin is a one-way street. Stacking sets definitely is a one-way street. You're not going back, you know, like if, <laughs> unless you absolutely have to, and your hand is forced like you, you, you will not very much like people in Venezuela. Uh, if you're a Bitcoiner in Venezuela, you're not going back to the Bolivar. You're not catching out. You know, like you're not <laughs> returning to the old system. And I think this. What are you this, cashing out to? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And 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 so um, this process will just continue to happen, and uh, consequently, the number of Bitcoiners will grow, and the orange circle will expand, and more and more people will 
have these kind of insights. And uh, that's also uh, in part why it's an exponential process because you know, <laughs> you're going to talk to your friends, uh, your friends and family will see that you're relatively better off than you know, someone else that did not, did not do this. And then you know, the cycle kind of repeats. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> it starts with such a simple system and so simple incentives. And the consequences that we see playing out right now are absolutely profound on so many levels. It kind of boggles the mind. Yeah. And like even little things, like I know my sister probably, I think is a, a listener at this point, um, but uh, her and her husband, they got married in June and when the price of Bitcoin was like 35,000 and we gave them their, their Bitcoin, like their, gift in bitcoin and um and then they saw it grow and they were like oh hey look at that you know because i mean i've been talking about this for so long and you know uh everybody was looking and so then then my brother-in-law comes to me he goes he's like yeah i'm thinking you know put like 50 bucks a paycheck away and i was like dollar cost average man you figured it out on your own you know like and then my sister all of a sudden goes like a couple weeks ago she's like hey uh you know i heard that interview you did with i was like what you're a listener now like like that's crazy you know <laughs> and so it's just like, like yeah it's like you know all of a sudden like there's there's you, you see it start to spread in your own life um and it's that exponential growth so i mean as we get there i mean do you do you guys you know there's all the type talk about cycles and you know is this going to be another repeat of one of the other cycles or is this it is this the end of cycles i mean do you guys see hyper bitcoinization as the the thing that happens out of this or is it going to be a slow pressure release you want to go first guy <laughs> no oh whoops i I'm muted yeah um <laughs> uh i think i think there's two reasons why the cycle as we know it is ending i don't think it's hyper bitcoinization in in the sense that oh we're all just we're all just using bitcoin next year um because you know i uh it's so easy to discount or what's the word um underestimate just how much work needs to be done to to realize you, you look at the internet in the early 2000s you just thought damn it's ubiquitous right we're done but look at where we are now versus what the internet was in 2000 the internet practically didn't even exist in comparison to what it is today um and my geo cities on yahoo still existed <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right right um and i think we're going to see largely the same thing with bitcoin but what we will i think what we've already seen this quote-unquote cycle is the end of the idea of this four-year rally than bear market um i think it's probably going to look a lot like it's been in the last like two years just a rally a little small bear market a little small rally a little small bear market um and i think there's two <laughs> reasons one is because uh the the liquidity in this in the the network or the system whatever you want to call it is becoming large enough that the players like the major money in the system are making much longer term plays um and when that happens and you know like i, I can kind of see like a microcosm of this in myself is i only get happy i only get really excited in bitcoin right now when you have like big red candles like mm -hmm. when the price drops i get i get really kind of 
like oh goody like like <laughs> i get really excited and i like like oh shit okay i can i can i can really stack i can really stack this week you know um when the price is going up it's fun you know i enjoy it but really what i see is that like my fold wheel spins are like 1400 sats instead of 1800 sats and i'm like man damn it you know like <laughs> I, I see the amount that i'm stacking decrease uh so that that long-term thinking and the position of like oh i just need more bitcoin i think it's going to greatly diminish that those swings uh and we're just going to see a gradual steady uptrend and i think the people who are expecting another year and a half two year bear just miserable bear market after another run will probably be the ones that get their ass handed to them that calls the next rally um but then in addition is the inflation rate doesn't isn't that much of a difference anymore there isn't that significant so when your when your inflation rate is 10 percent and it gets cut in half to five percent at the halving that's a huge freaking deal regarding the demands that's coming into the system and how much that's going to affect the price um so the having has an enormous impact when you're talking about 50 percent inflation to 25 percent 10 percent to five percent but when you're talking about 1.7 percent to like 0.8 percent it's not it's not as meaningful um the miners the, the new issuance is no longer the thing driving the major dynamic between whether or not new demand rises the price or not it's no longer that big buffer it's now just this tiny little corner of what's going on and now it's all demand so i think we will continue to have these rallies and crashes quote unquote cycles but i think they will be shorter and it will basically be one giant curve up um and it will just be messy and volatile like bitcoin always is but i don't think that clean four-year cycle uh will be nearly as prevalent this time around and certainly go another having out it'll basically be gone i i um I really like what Guy was saying, but I actually have to disagree on multiple accounts, kind of. And of course, it. <laughs> oh, right. Here we go. I knew you guys <laughs> didn't like it. <laughs> That's why we basically never talk. We all celebrity deathmatch. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. No, Bitcoin of course, celebrity deathmatch. We just stumbled on something there. Of, of course, no one has, has a crystal ball. So, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I really like the phrase. It's very hard to make predictions, especially about the future. So, uh, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but but still i i think human psychology which is at the root of this all doesn't change too drastically and i think it's really hard to get bitcoin and understand bitcoin it doesn't matter how how far along bitcoin already is kind of it's 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 real i think the hardest thing in bitcoin is to drop your fiat mindset and what i mean by that is to drop the short-term thinking and drop thinking in your like unit of account as US dollar or as the euro or as the yen and switch to sets and switch to a Bitcoin standard and do your personal internal accounting in sets, which is what Guy was already describing. You know, like he's thinking in sets. How many sets can I stack? I have a certain cash flow and I want to maximize the number of sets that I can stack. And of course, you know, like if you are thinking along these lines, you're immediately in somewhat trading territory already you know like because mm -hmm. if, if there's a downturn you want to stack more so you you might want to save up to be able to stack more for this event and so on because if, if you're if you're 
uh, th- that's why I think just uh, having automatic saving plans and just removing yourself from, from the equation completely is so insanely powerful because it's psychologically way, way, way easier because you never have to think about these things ever, you know? And, and if you set up your life that you have no additional money to spend, no matter what you do, and you're always stacking with every single paycheck or every single day, every single week, then, then you know, buying the dip is not even possible. You, you would have to sell a kidney or something to, to buy the dip, you know? And of course, people do. So, hey, you but, got two of them. <laughs> there you go. Why do you but, need uh, two? <laughs> but I think in terms of cycles, you know, um, I think, uh, and, and that's where, where the human psychology aspect, uh, I think, comes in. Because it, it takes usually two or three touch points with Bitcoin to understand it and to not dismiss it anymore. And I think we are in now for the, the third global touch point kind of, you know. So I think it, uh, it will click for, for a lot of people. And those people have a lot of liquid assets that they will, like, like just like everyone of us, will, they will fall in at the top. <laughs> And then there is no new money flowing in, you know, <laughs> like Guy said in the beginning, there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of purchasing power out there and it has to move into Bitcoin somehow. And I think we will see these moves come, continue to come into waves as um, Bitcoin penetrates global consciousness. And as more people realize, oh, oh, oh crap, Bitcoin is still not that, you know, like I, 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 I maybe I dabbled in it the last time and now it's suddenly, you know, now it's suddenly at hundred K and last time I looked at it, it was like at eight K or something, you know, and, and that's how these things work usually, but that's not where you make the switch to, okay, I'm doing all my internal accounting in sets. Now you're still, you still have a fiat mindset. You're thinking in dollars, you're thinking in euros, you're trying to trade this thing. You're trying to maximize gains. You don't realize that this is the monetary base layer of the future and and so on and so forth, all the things that we take for granted now. And it takes a very long time to wrap your head around that because you need to understand money and what money is. You need to learn all these things. Uh, And of course, I think this this time window where you can actually learn these things and benefit from them will close because uh, if, if the internet and mobile phones and other technologies are any indication, people like society at large will force <laughs> Bitcoin up on everyone else, you know? And, and, and that brings me to hyper-Bitcoinization. Like what is hyper-Bitcoinization? How do you define it? What, what kind of, it, it's, it's the same question can be asked about hyperinflation. How do you define hyperinflation? You know, like wh- where is the cutoff point where regular inflation gets into a hyperinflation territory. And, and I really like the saying of, of, of a friend of mine, um, Dennis, who is also working on BTC Pay Server. So shout out to him. Uh, and he mentioned to me once that, you know, hyper, hyper-Bitcoinization is kind of like a, a personal thing. You, you kind of d- decide it for yourself. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of agree. I, I know what he means, you know, like if you have 10,000 Bitcoin right now, hyper-Bitcoinization for you is in the past. It's like, it's already over. It's already done. Like you, you, you're probably done stacking, you know, like you, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, if you, if you have tens of thousands of Bitcoin, it's hyper-Bitcoinization definitely is in the past because when you were accumulating and stacking, it was like outrageous to think about a hundred dollar Bitcoin, you know? And, and so I think, I think as Bitcoin monetizes and as the circle of Bitcoiners expands, we will have more and more people <clears throat> that just move to a Bitcoin standard completely and hyper-Bitcoinization for them will be in the past and they will associate with other Bitcoiners and they will buy from shops that accept Bitcoin. They make deals and, uh, you know, have business relationships with other Bitcoiners and Bitcoin-only companies and so on. And we see this emerge right now. And of course, you can pick certain events where it is it will be very obvious that hyper-Bitcoinization has now happened for everyone, you know, just like hyper 
internetization has happened for everyone. You know, like if if like 98% of all the data in the world is flowing through the internet, okay, then it's over. Very much like with smartphones, you know, when was the point when smartphones really took over? It's really hard to tell, you know, like was it when the iPhone came out? Ah, it was probably later. Was it when Android came out and 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 surpassed the, the, the iPhone uh, in terms of how many users have a phone and so on? It's really hard to tell, you know, but we are, we are past that point. And similarly for hyper-Bitcoinization, I think, for example, when oil is traded in Bitcoin, we're definitely very far along already, you know? And if the majority of the countries of the world have Bitcoin on their balance sheet or it's legal tender there, then, you know, you can say, okay, that's when hyper-Bitcoinization happened. But it, it, will be, it will be hard to define. And I think we'll see these waves of adoption continue because it's, it's like a, a, a very big psychological switch that you have to make. Now, let me, uh, let me clarify because I don't disagree with any of that. My, <laughs> my, my Good debate claim, strategy. the complaint, well, I mean, I really don't, yeah. but my, my claim about the cycles wasn't that we won't have waves. It will be that it won't be around the having <laughs> okay. that, that will have, I mean, I think this past wave was a pretty significant wave. We went from what, $6,000 to 60 and then back down to 29. I think we're going to see that shit over and over and over again. Um, so <laughs> you think it just might uh, spread out longer? I think it, I think it'll just, I think it might happen every year, every two years. Like it'll just be, it'll just be a constant thing. Like that's just kind of how Bitcoin will move. Um, uh, but there will still be horribly overbought, um, uh, like psychotic green candles at the top and oh, yeah, definitely. significant <laughs> crashes. Like I just, I, I, could, I, I have a hard time seeing Bitcoin ever not being that, honestly. Um, and if it was, if it's that forever, I'm even, I'm okay with that. I don't even care. Like this is I, somehow after you do this a couple of times, it's just like, yeah, this is normal. <laughs> you just so, become numb to it. You're like, yeah. yeah, it's just, it just is what it is. I mean, I think it actually will stabilize and become so liquid that it's impossible to have those moves. Yeah. But if it didn't, <laughs> I'm I think so happy with my Bitcoin standard. I think uh, one of the like like Hasma Cook has a really nice uh, way of thinking about this and a, a, a really nice framework um, on how to kind of how to properly think about this because you need to have some buying pressure always for a price floor to hold, and so it, it, in the end, it is economic activity that has to move into Bitcoin. For now, it's mostly people that are earning fiat and buying Bitcoin because they're sacking. So for now, uh, one of the most important aspects is, is basically auto-DCAing in the sense that, because one-time buys are, are kind of meaningless, you know, like they, they don't define any, any kind of, of price floor in, in, in the large sense. And I, I think um, we, we just, we will see the, like, we will see the number of people expand drastically as fiat currencies are failing. And this will be an individual decision and a company decision. And, you know, like you, 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 we already have family run businesses that are doing this and, and just whatever they earn, they, 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 they save and store in Bitcoin and not in fiat anymore. And depending on the location, it, it's, it, 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 it might be, you know, like 90% in some places and it might be like 10% in other places. And we see Michael Saylor doing exactly this, you know, like get as much cash, cash flow as you can, <laughs> even take out that. And, and just um, use Bitcoin as your savings vehicle. And it's it definitely is a savings vehicle because Michael Saylor, as he said publicly multiple times, 
he he's not in like he will he will basically never sell you know like he will hold it for a hundred years you know and so so whatever whatever is the currency in a hundred years you know you can transfer it back to this currency or just use Bitcoin straight as I believe will be the case and buy whatever assets you you want to buy and just reinvest it in more productive assets because again like we are in this monetization period so it makes a lot of sense to do this but once everything is evened out and Bitcoin is fully monetized it doesn't not make sense to to hold it uh, if you actually want to increase your wealth you know like you have to you have to actually do something that produces value so I, I i give the gold bucks this <laughs> this point you know like it's it's a valid critique of bitcoin once hyper bitcoinization is in the past yeah i mean um it, it is interesting because there's that like dca army basically right now that's propping it up but then like you said with until things are exchanged basically is that what you were saying you were saying until things are goods are exchanged uh, for Bitcoin, like on a higher level, then you won't have a price floor. Um, does that kind of what like electricity setting the pr- pr- the price floor does right now? I don't, I don't think that has anything to do do with it because I'm, I mean, well, every everything in Bitcoin is kind of connected and everything is very nuanced. So take everything I I'm going to say with a large grain of salt, but it, but but in a sense, what miners are doing is they're protecting the past, you know, like they're, they're defining the present and the future. Like they, they are, <laughs> blocks are about the ordering of things and mining is basically, um, you know, it's distributed time stepping when it comes down to it. And the side effect is that you secure the past by, you know, this accumulative layer of energy, if you will. But but um, in, in, it, in terms of price, you know, like it's... Uh, I would say, um, well, it's it's really hard to say. Like, first of all, we don't know in Bitcoin how much security we need for the past. You know, like in my mind, Bitcoin is so oversecured, kind of. You know, like, but it's <laughs> some people are of the opinion Bitcoin will only be secure uh, when the whole network eats up fifty-one uh, percent of the energy output of the world. You know, and I, I can get behind that as well. You know, I think <laughs> I think it's a, an interesting way to to think about it things but of course you know like miners have to sell bitcoin and they have real expenses and this is uh definitely some some selling uh pressure as well and uh um but it's it's unclear to me in the current environment how much this affects the bitcoin price because what we're currently seeing and what michael saylor is talking about a lot as well is you know in the current financial climate outside of bitcoin it's very easy to to, to get free fiat basically. And so miners can just mine and hold. And so, um, you know, the, 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 the selling pressure goes away kind of, you know, like you, you suddenly you don't have to sell Bitcoin to continue operating. You can just raise more VC money, and just hold Bitcoin and, or, or get, get loans and, 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 and uh, sell a fraction of the Bitcoin to, to uh, service your loan kind of. So I think all of these things are very, very interested, uh, very, very interesting, but I, I don't think that, I don't think that um, prices related to energy um, in that sense, because just just humor me for a second, you know. Let's say we cracked another cold fusion, and we have fusion reactors, and energy uh, energy is basically free. Would the Bitcoin price go to zero? 
No, no, I don't think it would. And I also think, you know, like it, it's, no, it's not Bitcoin that Bitcoin be is... more secure than ever. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because you can, you could secure Bitcoin basically for free, you know, and, and it, it's, it's kind of like how much human time would you, it, it's, it's, it basically becomes a race between the believers and the attackers and how much, how much time. And, and of course, you know, like building the, the damn fusion reactors would not be free, but it's, it's like if 51% of the fusion reactors are serving for the good and protecting the Bitcoin network and 49% are attacking it, Bitcoin is still perfectly fine. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, again, take everything I say with a grain of salt because, you know, for 51% attack, you need like 40% of the hash power or something. And so on. So don't kill me in the comments that not everything I say is 100% accurate technically, but you, you, you get the basic idea. So what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying, what I'm trying to drive home with that thought experiment is that in essence, the, the energy consumption is not directly coupled to, to the price, not necessarily. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Once we get to a completely green, you know, renewable energy source or something, which everybody, you know, touts Bitcoin will push us towards, that doesn't mean that the price of Bitcoin is going to go down um, or have a, have a price floor. It actually makes, because less people are going to be selling because you, you don't have to sell to pay energy yeah. costs. I mean, it's such a great question. You could you could discuss this probably for days. You know, does price follow hash rate, or is it the other way around? Yeah, and it, it's it's exactly like that's the main question, basically. You know, like it's <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's chicken and the egg. Like they're related. Like, like they're just they have a relationship, um, and they they both affect each other. Um, the hash rate props up the price, not because of a uh, a floor on the cost of energy or anything, but just because the hash rate indicates a longer term perspective on the security and viability of Bitcoin. Whereas the price can, you know, double this week and get cut in half next week. Uh, so the hash rate, I would say, is a much more, let's look five months out, what's the, what's the relevant foundation that this thing is based on and i think the hash rate is a much more gradual indication of its long-term prospects whereas at the exact same time the hash rate responds to the price because miners dump on more hardware they set up more you know they they find every drop of energy that they can anywhere to plug into the bitcoin system when bitcoin goes up 6x you know so they are absolutely 100% related and they both interact with each other. But I don't think, I don't think either has any, I mean, just like the, the chicken doesn't, the egg doesn't exist because the chicken and the chicken doesn't exist because of the egg. Like they are just both part of the same system. Um, but uh, I, I like the idea of trying to define hyper Bitcoinization of like, what is the point? And, and when you really kind of start thinking about like, ways to like some sort of metric to to totem this against i guess you could say um you realize it, it kind of looks like it might not be as long term as like 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 let's say let's take an example let's take an example so let's say it's half the population having more than half of their liquid capital as bitcoin so what we've seen right now, I think it's like 30 or 
40%, I believe, of the U.S. population now has like a small allocation of Bitcoin. No, I um, think it's 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 less. Uh, it, it wasn't too or long maybe, ago. Maybe that was like the younger demographic. Yeah, maybe, probably. Maybe that's what that, that yeah. was like. That might have been like 20 to 30 years yeah. or something. Because we just we just crossed into early adopters very recently, and that was like 12 point something percent or so. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I must be thinking of like a younger demographic then. Um, I just remember seeing percentages that like were really, really surprising to me. Um, but let's take the example of 50% of liquid capital for half the population. If half the population puts in like one or let's say 2% of their capital into Bitcoin, and then Bitcoin goes 25x, we have that. We have 50% of the people with 50% of their liquid capital in Bitcoin. Um, and when it becomes a dominant part of your portfolio, I feel like you like there's this shift where you just think of it very, very differently. You're like, holy crap, like this is the thing I have that's valuable, you know? Um, so I don't know. It'd be really interesting. Like, like 25x in Bitcoin just isn't, it's not that hard. You know, that crazy. <laughs> it's not that crazy. Um, it's it's certainly not the first time that that has happened. Uh, so it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if that would qualify quite as hyper Bitcoinization, um, but it would be a decent thing to to measure against. You know, half the population considering that as the most important thing that they own. That's that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That changes that changes the perspective. That changes the political environment. That changes the cultural environment. That changes everything. Um, so, the yeah. way the finances work at that point, because oh, one yeah. of the things yeah. I love about Bitcoin is that the moment you take that money out of the bank and put it in Bitcoin, you know that it can never be used again by the banks for rehypothecation, for fractional reserve banking, for all those things. So it's just like it's an exponential power that you're pulling away from uh and like even now i mean i probably i don't think i'll get in trouble for this but uh we just we literally so we had been planning on uh, constructing a house and then um we were waiting i had some things in personal life that were that were going on that we were trying to get figured out and and then all of a sudden um the people they were the realtor they were just taking their time they weren't bring putting any pressure on us small town usa you know what i mean they're just like you know we understand and then boom all of a sudden they contacted they're like hey this house isn't going on the market yet let's do it you're gonna love it it's exactly what you want we li literally looked at it three days ago put in an offer accepted boom we're off and running and like and i went to the mortgage i was like how small of a down payment can i make and they were like all right you know, don't you want to do like 20% down, you know, and I'm saying, I'm no, like, no, because um, like debt is so cheap right now. Yeah. So to me, it's just I love on the personal end looking at that play where I'm like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to continue instead of putting that and taking any money out of Bitcoin to put on the down payment, I'm just going to keep stacking sats. And like the guy said to me, he said, why would you do that? I said, do you think whatever, you know. I don't want to give away the amount of money that I'm spending, so I'm going to censor that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I was like, do you think that that is going to be as valuable as it is today in 30 years? And he was like, thought about it. And he's like an older, like boomer, like mortgage broker, you know. Yeah. And he was just like, no. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I am willing to pay that off forever. You know, my parents' first house, it. if they had, oh yeah, frame it like a dollar. You know, like 
like a, the first dollar you earn. Yeah. It, it's just crazy yeah. to think that they're giving away debt as cheap as they are. No, I know. It's it's absolutely nuts. And I, I 100%, I mean, that's what we did with our house back in 2017, I think, when we bought this. Um, I put practically nothing down um, uh, and even did some like government subsidy, like sort of loan type um, sort of thing just to just to prevent from having to sell any Bitcoin if I could. Um, and I mean, we still sold some Bitcoin to get the house, but it was not to put down payments on the house. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, but what's funny is like when somebody asks that, and I think this is such a powerful indication of just how absurd inflation is when people think um, there isn't or that this like 4% CPI or whatever this awful, they're just so stupid. CPI is the worst, most god awful idiotic measurement that there could be. Especially um, when you take meat out. Well, when you take meat out, but <laughs> when you take housing, when you take out the stock market, when you take out gas, when you take out like, because the CPI, the consumer price index, Safedine just kills it in the fiat standard when he talks about CPI, um, because it's a unitless measurement. It, 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 imagine trying to measure your house without a unit, without something to measure it with. Just be like, oh, well, it's like kind of slightly larger than the house to the left and slightly less than the house to the right. It's like, well, how big is the house to the left and the right? oh, it's slightly bigger than mine on the, you know, like, and, but, but at the exact same time, the CPI is a response to what you can afford. So if the price of meat doubles and everybody was buying red meat, but the price of chicken is less, it's half the price of red meat. Well, then everybody stops buying red meat and stops buying, starts buying poultry instead, cheaper, lower quality meat. And suddenly it looks like the CPI hasn't moved at all because the basket is now poultry instead of red meat. But the actual price of the good has doubled. But because people can't afford it anymore because the price doubled, they're buying something different. So CPI, suddenly no inflation when the quality and the substance that they have purchased has decreased significantly. So to frame it in the context of the house, is it like, don't you want to put 20% down on your house? I would ask them like, well, in the context of the value of the dollar, if I don't put anything down, what's going to happen to the, like, won't the price of my house increase by 20% in five years? Mm -hmm. Like, don't you, isn't that something that everybody says, like everybody knows that that happens? I'll have 20% down and I won't have yeah. to do anything. I'll have 20% yeah. equity in my house just by taking out a loan paying absolutely nothing, doing nothing productive for society, just taking the money and watching the value of my house go up and I'll be, I'll be 20% down. They were like the dollar to die. I like to just watch the, watch the value of the dollar bleed out while I hold this high maintenance consumption, quote unquote asset that everybody now treats as savings because the dollar shit. Yeah. Well, I don't think a house is savings anymore. <laughs> I think people are starting to realize that people people uh, are beginning to, but it's crazy that whole generations have been led to believe that a house is, is an investment it's yeah. not in a hard money environment. It's not, it's, it's what you're doing is you're protecting yourself partially from the destruction of your currency. 
There's no, there's no sensible reality where a, a consumption asset, a living in a house that takes ridiculous maintenance that in 20 years needs a new roof, uh, needs a new AC unit every 10 years that rots, that you got to repaint, that you got to Clorox the outside of the house so it doesn't get covered in mildew. That is not an asset. That is not a, a store of value. That is a freaking liability. It is only because of the state of our dollar that that ever changed to something as absurd as this is where I, this is the bulk of my wealth and it's going to go quote unquote up every year because the dollar is crap. GJ, I see you shaking your head there. Do you have something to add? It's hard, yeah, to, read no. your, it's hard to read your face. But, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try to read your when, glasses. When, when, when we are uh, talking about, you know, the, the current monetary situation at the US dollar, I'm just shaking my head internally all the time. <laughs> no, it's really messed up. And it's it really is kind of messed up that we are in the situation. And this is basically what everyone was um, forced to do, uh, you know, the last couple of decades. Like that's, uh, as Guy just said, you know, like that's that's what everyone believes. Everyone believes that, you know, just get a house. It's it's basically, <laughs> you know, your savings vehicle and it always goes up in price and so on. And, and what, what I think, like, I think it's really useful sometimes to go down to the absolute basics just strip strip everything that's all the convoluted language and all the um you know uh, <laughs> all the fancy economics strip all of it away it's we we had a certain amount of us dollars for example you know and every like um everything you did in terms of saving investing and earning money the the pool of us dollars just just in the last 18 months alone, expanded by like 30% or more, something like that, you know? Like let's pick 30% as, as the number now. So if you invested in something, if, if, if your house went uh, went up by 30% the last 18 months, you're even, like you're, like you gained absolutely nothing in terms of, of purchasing power. And, and and also, you know, why should you gain anything in purchasing power in the first place if you're if you're holding just a house? You know, like that, that I think that was Guy's point as well. And I think it's it's very helpful to, Think about it in that way because raise your hand if you got a like <laughs> salary increase by more than thirty percent in the last eight months. Not many people can raise their hand, I think. And and I think that just thinking about it in those very very stupid terms opens um, uh, the eyes of a lot of people to just see very clearly what is going on. And I think what's all, what's also interesting is, uh, for example, every single U.S. dollar denominated model that you had of the world eighteen months ago is now off by thirty percent at least you know like just that's that's just the way it is like you're you're it doesn't matter what you're trying to model if it is bitcoin or or something else or or what have you or if it is like your your personal goal of becoming a millionaire or something you know like it's 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 like the <laughs> the the measurement is so messed up that you just have to reconsider everything and i think you know, that's one thing in, in like very inflationary environments and hyperinflationary environments that all the measurements break down. And that's why cooperation becomes so insanely difficult because you 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 just have the, the, the language of value breaks down. And I think we, we experience uh, and we see the beginnings of that right now, you know, and it, it has very interesting, like it pops up in very interesting and also funny ways, you know, like the meme stocks, 
are one aspect. You know, people yeah. aping into NFTs are another aspect. People buying uh, Pokemon and Magic the Gathering cards are another aspect. You know, people uh, again, like Saifedean also says, you know, if the money breaks down, everything else becomes money. So I, I, people use everything for money houses and whiskeys and expensive cars and watches and playing cards and so on. And I think it's- I love that. I love that line. The, yeah. when, when money breaks down, everything becomes money. Yeah. It, and it's so, so true. true. Everyone knows that kind of, you know, like that's, that's your, your kind of preservation instinct, instincts kick in and you just, you just ape into something just because it's, it's better than uh, putting the money on a bank account or under your mattress. And everyone knows that instinctively, whether you understand money or not, you know this, and that's why you're buying, you know, like the, the fifth Rolex watch or what have you, or that's why you're buying a house that you're not living in and, and are not renting out, <laughs> you know, like that's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how this works that, that just by observing the behavior of people, you can kind of see what they know and understand, but they will not be able to verbalize what's going on and they don't understand, understand it deeply what's going on. Do you guys ever like feel like a dirty fiat person? Like you like buy something at a store and you're just like, oh my God, I cannot believe I just spent that money. Like I look at like something and I'm like, this thing that I just bought is going to have value for like 10 minutes. Like this is garbage. Why did I buy this? <laughs> I, 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 I don't experience this anymore. I think I have a, you know, a little safety sitting on my shoulder and every time I want to, you know, grab a candy bar or something, I, he just slaps me straight in the face. And so, <laughs> Do you know how much soy is in that? <laughs> exactly. No, it's, uh. <laughs> it's a funny question. Uh, I, I mean, I think also you, you should kind of, you know, treat yourself from time to time and whatever, like you know <laughs> i think you I'll, can also go insane if you you know <laughs> i'll never spend I'll anything you. but i'll tell you i uh um i definitely have that feeling from time to time if i if i end up spending like a little bit of money and i'm like man this was so stupid um in fact a couple of times like i've kind of turned around and sold something like i bought a uh uh two years ago three years ago now i bought a 360 degree camera thing um which i actually got a pretty good pretty decent use out of it actually um we went to we, we took a trip to switzerland and like went around europe a little bit um and had a blast and i still love the the pictures and stuff i got it but after i got back i was like this was it was like 500 dollars or something like that you know and i was like I'm just, am I ever going to use this again? Like, you know, like maybe on the next time I have like a big trip and I immediately sold it. Like after, <laughs> after like, after like four days when I was back, I was like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to take this anywhere again and sold it and bought back, bought back Bitcoin. Um, so uh, like I'll have I think that, that investment worked out. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It worked out great. Um, uh, but uh, I'll tell you, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but fold has, very much changed how uh not not to fucking chill she'll fold on this but um hey please like, do i want them to be a sponsor that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> no it's actually changed like because every time i buy something it, it's actually kind of changed my perspective which i almost hate that it's kind of fun to buy stuff because like i get a spin you know You're particularly like, yes. if it's like a big like luckily like what i've actually been doing is paying my bills like paying some of my bills early so that like when I have like extra spins or whatever, but if I'm making like two or 3% back in Bitcoin, it becomes like I purchase things so that I'm stacking Bitcoin, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit perverse because I'm 
I could be wasting fiat money to get 1% back of Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, so you got to be careful with that. You can't, you can't let that, you know, it's, it's poisoning it. It's, it's, it's making, it's making fiat fun again. No, that's not, not cool. <laughs> Make fiat fun again. Uh, I, I've been trying to adopt a mindset where like, you know, something, I mean, I've got kids. So like, you know, I see something at Target that's like some kind of Paw Patrol toy, you know, that's like complete garbage made of terrible plastic and it's going to be worthless in like a week. And I'm like, if I'm going to buy that for them, I have to be willing to buy that and put that amount of money into Bitcoin. So like I make the make it more expensive oh, like for me one. so that it's like, OK, if I'm going to buy $20 yeah. worth of worthless stuff, I need to be willing to spend 40, 20 on the worthless stuff, 20 on the Bitcoin. Um, and I've also been trying to like, you should tell your kids that you're doing that every time, too. Like they should yeah. know it's like, OK, well, that means we have to buy this amount of Bitcoin. Um, do you, can, can we afford that? Have you looked at your budget, son? <laughs> yeah, have you, well, dude, I actually, my son, my oldest is, uh, he's going to start earning Bitcoin for, um, for his, uh, his, uh, what's it called? Uh, chores. chores. Yeah. Chores, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Allowance. Uh, allowance and all that. Cause he hears me talk about it all the time. And so he was, I, he, I, I don't even think he, you know, he knows what dollars are, but, um, but he was like, yeah, he's like, I, I could. I'd like to get Bitcoin. All right, let's do it. Like you can, I mean, he's going to be like the richest, like, you know, chore doer in the world. Like he's going to make so much money. And once he's older, he's going to be like, thanks dad. And I'm going to be sitting there like, damn it. I should have held it. <laughs> should have gave it to him when he turned 18. Um, but uh, so, you know, talking about this and I know you guys probably got to run here shortly, but um, you know, one of the topics I wanted to bring up and we talk about like, you know, the long-term vision of where Bitcoin goes and, and everything like that. Um, what do you guys think is the secret to longevity in Bitcoin? And I ask that because one of the things I see right now is with me being, you know, openly so new to Bitcoin. So I'm trying to stay long-term as, you know, and, and basically, you know, you want to die a Bitcoin or you don't want to turn into the, to the something else. Um, but I've seen, you know, a lot of people, it's just so many people getting on and like, I don't know if it's the amount of people I see on these Twitter spaces that I'm guilty of going into. But even over the last like two months, I've reeled back and like, I'll maybe poke my ear and then listen, but I don't participate as much. Um, and I'm just like, man, how many people are going to get burnt out on Bitcoin and lose their minds where they just, they can't handle it anymore. They don't want to hear another word. Or, you know, we see people <laughs> on the verge of rage quitting online um you know and it's like you guys have been in for varying lengths of time but you've been in long enough to see how do you survive bitcoin and make sure that you're there till the end i i'll go first um partly because i i have to uh, uh run in five minutes <laughs> but yeah, yeah. i'll try to yeah, i got be, a hard I'll, stop at 3 30 so i'll, yeah, I'll yeah. try to uh be very brief with this um i think bitcoin derangement syndrome is a real thing and no one is immune i think bitcoin can drive you crazy in multiple ways uh i think we've seen that in the past i think it's also it is really hard to understand at first so uh, because there is no authority to tell you what bitcoin is you have to figure it out for yourself and this is by design um it's very easy to fall prey to scammers and, and just wrong kind of um like wrong wrong everything you know <laughs> and and so uh, i think it's also um 
Bitcoin has a way to infect your mind that this can be very um, overbearing as well. So I think it can do your head in in that way too, that it's, it, it just becomes too much and then you just let it be for a while. Um, I, I have no answer for you. I think the most important thing is to try to be authentic as, as best as you can, because I think most Bitcoiners are really good at sniffing out bullshit and then you, oh, yeah. won't, don't, you won't have a good time. So I think just uh, be yourself and, and, and you know, um, be authentic. And it's, it's you know, like... Try to align yourself with Bitcoin as best as you can, in a sense. And and if you don't know what this means, <laughs> then stick around for a little bit longer. But there is a yeah. way to align yourself with Bitcoin. I think that's the way Like to live in symbiosis with it is what you have to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, there's something important in realizing that the social environment and the social media, you know, of Bitcoin is not Bitcoin. Um, like I know I've definitely have, have had like a couple of maybe periods throughout my 10, 11 years ish, um, of I'm exhausted with this, you know? Um, and then either something will happen or I'll start digging into something else that will just kind of start to renew my energy in it. You know, and I think that was, that was really at the heart of the podcast too is that like i was getting nowhere like the whole first year um and after like eight months i was definitely getting burnout like definitely getting burnout and like i knew i just had to push through that period to kind of find some new hook or whatever to to explore and i think just me personally um i you know i don't think this is going to apply to everybody in this, I think everybody's journey is different and everybody's personality, like what they are excited about is different. But I found digging into some other aspect around Bitcoin, like learning something new about it, um, has been a big thing to keep me excited. And I think the only thing that I really have not like deeply dug into just probably cause it's a little bit intimidating to me. Um, uh, even though I know I'll probably really enjoy it when, when I get there is actually the cryptography is that like, like I want to be able to look at the, you know, the public private key equations and like that sort of thing. And I just want to be able to like, okay, well this, like, I know what is happening here. Um, and I haven't quite done that with like trial 256 and ECDS, like these things I've, I've touched on them enough, um, to, to have a degree of understanding around them. Uh, but the depth of disciplines and things around Bitcoin, you know, you can get the basic of Bitcoin economics, but there's there's a thousand hours there to unpack at minimum. You know, you can get the basics in an hour, two hours, um, but don't stay in your corner. I think there's something very beautiful about Bitcoin that it lends itself to wanting to understand all of the disciplines around it. Use that as motivation to dig into the philosophy you'd never read about, to um, to really get into game theory, to 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 like take all of these disparate studies and ideas and go with them. Become become the Renaissance man or whatever you want to say of of uh of bitcoin because i think we have a very serious problem in society of segmentation of 
segregating these different disciplines and these different categories as if they are all completely separate things. And, you know, you're in the history domain. Don't say anything about biology. You know, you're, oh, you're over in biology. Don't you dare say anything about the technical workings of the internet. That's not your domain. You stay over there. And I think there's a very profound value in having a broad view of having, knowing a little bit about a lot, because there might be something, there might be a billion dollar problem. It's just 10 seconds for everybody in the world that is because of a lack of communication or a lack of understanding between somebody designing product A and somebody shipping product A. And just because neither side knows what the other person is doing or how any of it works, there's a 10 second problem for a billion people that just goes unaddressed. And just having that broad view, looking at how everything works and how everything connects together is so unbelievably valuable. And I think so many of their translation problems, so many of society's major problems are translation problems, are how to bridge those gaps. And I think Bitcoin lends itself to wanting to get that big picture view so you can understand it. Um, so explore, pull on threads, go go further out and see how it relates to Bitcoin. And I think I think there's an there's a lifetime of things to explore and you won't actually you won't you won't get bored. <laughs> Amen to that. Awesome. Well, hey guys, dude, that's great advice for everybody. You know, stick in the space as long as you can and keep exploring. Don't stick where you're comfortable. But uh GG guy, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate this. I can't wait to do this like uh, in meat space. So hopefully we can do it at Bitcoin 2022. Uh, yeah, man. And, uh, and we'll, we can just sit down and, and put, uh, you know, beer, or whiskey, whatever we want. And uh, just sit back and, and have a long conversation. Unrecorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for, thanks for having us. Uh, great conversation as always. Yeah, man, same. And Gigi, I'll hit you up. Don't worry, I haven't forgot about a Telegram thing. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> All right, see you guys. All right. Bye bye. Later, man.